Christopher Johnson says Adam Gase will be the head coach for the rest of this year and into the 2020 season. Is that the right move? We discuss Gase's future and preview the Jets matchup with the lowly Redskins with our New York Post football columnist, Mark Canizero. We also will be joined by quite the popular ex-Jets head coach and current ESPN analyst, the one, the only, Rex Ryan. All that next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today is my buddy, Mark Canizero, who's been covering football a billion years here at the Post. I'm also excited to be joined by a charismatic former Jets head coach that took them to back-to-back AFC Championship games, the great Rex Ryan. So grab a snack and let's get the show going. Big news on Wednesday in Florham Park. Christopher Johnson, the Jets CEO and chairman, uh, pulled reporters aside at practice on Wednesday and told us that Adam Gase isn't going anywhere. Uh, all the speculation about Adam Gase being on the hot seat and fans calling for him to be fired. Uh, not only is he not being fired right now in the middle of the season, but Christopher Johnson said he won't be fired after the season. So Adam Gase getting a vote of confidence. We'll see how that translates if it takes a little bit of the, the pressure out of the building because there's been a lot of pressure lately. But at two and seven, uh, you know, still not the season they wanted. Christopher Johnson said he's frustrated. He understands why the fans are upset. No one wants to win more than him. Uh, but he believes in Adam Gase. He believes in his relationship with Joe Douglas, and they really haven't had much time to work together yet. He mentioned he had conversations with Sam Darnold about Adam Gase, and he believes in the work that Adam has done with Sam Darnold. So, uh, you know, all you Jets fans hoping for a coaching change, I don't think you're going to get your wish. Now, I'll, I'll say this, something I learned in the spring, things can change, right? Because Christopher Johnson gave Mike McCagnin a vote of confidence in March, and then he fired him in May. So, so this doesn't necessarily guarantee things, but I think, uh, you know, I think Christopher means it when he says Adam Gase will be the coach going into 2020. And, you know, it's with that backdrop that they head into Washington on Sunday against the one and eight Redskins, an equally dismal team with a rookie quarterback and Dwayne Haskins starting the rest of the season there and, and Bill Callahan as the interim coach. So to uh, talk about, you know, all things Jets with about Adam Gase and Christopher Johnson and this game with the Redskins, I'm going to bring in my longtime colleague, Mark Canizero, New York Post football columnist to preview this big game can uh glad you could join us today i what was your reaction when you you heard that christopher johnson had given this vote of confidence to adam gase well brian i i I don't think jet fans want to hear this but i thought i thought it was a very important and smart moment on chris's part today uh you have to you have to quell uh the the madness that's been taking place even though they're coming off a win against the giants you know jet fans are still obviously as you know as well as anybody Still very ticked off, uh, but I thought this was very, very important for Chris Christopher to do. You know, my, my one problem with the with the hierarchy here, and I'm glad Chris did it, but I still I still believe that Joe Douglas, the general manager, needs to be a little bit more out there and available to Jet fans. In my opinion, I always feel like the general manager of a, of any sports franchise, particularly here in New York, with the fan base we have, needs to be a little bit more visible. Hopefully, that'll take time. Uh, that that'll take place in time. But I like what Christopher did today. Uh, you have to, 
you have to kind of change the narrative a little bit. And obviously a win over the Giants was not completely changing the narrative to the, to the to a season. But they need to – you can't just change every 10 minutes. I mean, we had this conversation on, on a, a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about Jamal Adams. You know, I know you, you and I have a little bit of a differing opinion on, on whether or not Jamal should be built around as, as a talent. But you just can't keep get rid of people all the time. And whether you like the job Gase is doing or not, and frankly, I don't think any of us really likes what he's done so far. He hasn't done much yet. But it needs time. you got to let this thing breathe. Uh, Sam Darnold, as as Christopher very accurately said today, has not really been given a chance to succeed this year because of the injuries and the offensive line and whatnot. Obviously, he just lost Chris Hern- Chris, Hern- Chris Herndon has basically been here for, you know, has played one game and and uh, has, has lost his season. Was 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 Darnold's one of his favorite targets in training camp in the summer. So you need to let this thing breathe. You need to let the play out. Uh, obviously, the Jets are not going to the playoffs this year. Just try to win some games. Uh, don't apologize for beating the Giants or or a bad Redskin team if they beat them next, this coming Sunday. Just go out and try to progress. They need progress. I mean, I wrote a column in, in yesterday's post about just progressing. You know, they, they just need to show progress. And I think if Jet fans see progress, I think they'll be okay with this. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think, you know, Sam's progress is really the key to this whole thing. How does he look over these last seven weeks? Can the offense just get something going? You know, they got a little something going on Sunday against the Giants, three touchdowns. Uh, then now they have 11 touchdowns in nine games, but you, you just kind of want to see something there. And it's funny you mentioned the Jamal discussion we had a few weeks ago. I may have come around on Jamal after Sunday. <laughs> he made a pretty he made a pretty good case for himself that he's he's more than just your average safety, and uh, he might be worth building around. And Christopher Johnson actually addressed that on Wednesday as well. Uh, he said, you know. He loves Jamal. He wants Jamal to be a Jet for life. However, Joe Douglas has control of the roster, and he told Joe Douglas when he hired him that Christopher Johnson was going to have a light touch with roster stuff. He was not going to uh, tell him what to do with the roster. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Jamal this offseason. Um, you know, what did you think about the timing of this, Can? Because I-, I was surprised when when he talked to us, I expected Christopher to say, no changes during the year. I was a little surprised he went so far as to say, we're not going to do anything after the season. Cause you know, what if this just goes off the rails for the last seven weeks? Could you see him changing his mind? Do you think the timing w- was odd today? I think, uh, I think what Christopher wants is some stability. And uh, I don't think that I know that. Um, and I, and that's why he said that because this to, to give a guy a vote of confidence for the next six or seven games. Well, who cares? You know, I mean, that's, you know, people are really more concerned about what's going to happen next year. We've already we already kind of know what's going on this year. If 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 it goes off the rails, Brian, then Christopher Johnson has every right as the owner of the team to say, "Listen, you know what? We didn't foresee this. We didn't foresee this. You know, losing the locker room or whatever. I mean, you know, it, it fill in the blank. Losing the locker room, losing all of our last number of games, uh, players bickering, whatever whatever occurs. And frankly, I think." The locker room probably is the number one thing and or the fact that you know listen if in the next you know if the if the, re- if the if the rest of this season Christopher Johnson sees Sam Darnold regress the way he had those those couple three games prior to the giant game well you know that might be another reason to say you know what guys I know what I said but you know I don't like what I saw the last six or seven weeks here and you know I, th- I think we need to make a change so I, I think really it was it's a semantics thing I I think Chris just saying that Adam's not going to get fired in the next month and a half or two is kind of silly. I think Chris saying what he said today is trying to show some support for 
some stability in the franchise, which God knows we all know they need and haven't had in forever. And, you know, listen, they're all hanging on for dear life, starting with Christopher. You know, they all hope this thing's going to work out. Because if it doesn't, they got to blow it up and start all over again. And that's the last thing they want to do. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. I think if he had come out and said, you know, no changes during the season, that would just kind of make all of us say, okay, well, Gase is on the hot seat for the last seven weeks then. You know, the owner said this is an evaluation period. So I think it was smart of him to go an extra step and say, you know, nothing after the season. Uh, there are games to play, and starting Sunday in Landover, Maryland, at the dump known as FedEx Field, uh, Can you'll be there with me uh, watching this glorious game between the uh, one-win Redskins and the two-win Jets. I don't know how much you've dug into the game yet, but you know what do you see when you look at this game? Well, Brian, I think for starters, uh, and a big picture-wise for this game, and I I did, wrote this in, in a column after you know the day after the Giants uh, win. They can't go to Washington and lose this game. They just, I, I'm sorry. I know they're one and a one or one and a half point underdogs or whatever that may which be, which obviously means they're actually favored because the home team gets three points. Uh, I, I just don't, if you lose this game, everything you did on Sunday against the Giants is just washed away as you know, and there, there is no progress. Uh, so I, I do think they need to go take advantage of this. I think that defense, in my opinion, I, if I'm Greg Williams, and certainly the way I looked, I saw the Jet, Jets defense play against the Giants. They should be licking their chops, you know, with you know with Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback who has not looked very good in his time that he has played. Uh, I know Bill Callahan earlier in the week, the Redskins uh, interim coach, said that you know Haskins is going to be the guy the rest of the way, and uh, you know obviously he's got some talent, you know, to be drafted where he was. But you know I don't think any of us has really seen that quite yet in the short time that he has played. So that jet defense starting with Jamal, you know, Jamal Adams, you know, you know what Jamal Adams and everybody else play out of, you know, play out of your, you know, your socks like you did against the giants. Don't rest on whatever little minuscule laurel you have from winning the giant game and go down there and look at the Redskin record and say, well, we should wipe these guys away. Well, you know, before you do that, remember that you guys are two and eight, (laughs) you know, so you only got one more win than they do. So uh, I do think it's it's important, you know, for obviously for Sam to progress and for the team to progress. And if they're not going to win these kinds of games, then really what are we seeing in progress here, you know? And I get it that they've got some injuries and the offensive line is is banged up and all that, but I'm I'm tired I'm tired of the injury excuses. You know, I had a long conversation with a personnel friend of mine, NFL personnel friend of mine earlier in the week and we looked at some of these other coaches around the league who've had devastating injuries. Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, how's he how's that worked out? They were 0-3. They were down to their third-string quarterback, you know, and he you know, he just kind of pulled his pants up and said, let's go. I didn't hear any, any woes-me stuff out of Mike Tomlin. You know, when Doug Marone lost, you know, Nick Foles in the first week of the year, his press conference after that game was, was you know what, this sucks, but, but I'm actually looking forward to the challenge of making this happen without the guy we just gave $88 million to. And I, I feel like I, I, I hear too much woe-is-me stuff coming out of out of Adam Gase, and and – I'm not trying to excoriate him here, but I, I just feel like sometimes he wears his emotion on his sleeve a little bit too much. It's a little bit too high low for me, and, and I'd rather seen him a little bit more defiant uh, in these times, and I think that would permeate you know through the locker room. Well, it should be a clash of the Titans. I, I, I agree. I don't think the Jets can take anyone lightly, and they shouldn't be. You know, they, they just lost to the Miami Dolphins a couple weeks ago, and you know Sunday's win over the Giants wasn't exactly a uh, runaway win for them. They, they had to hold on there at the end to win that game. 
You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Canizero, two N's and two Z's in that Canizero last name. Check out his columns in the post and at nypost.com. Mark, I'll see you out in Florham Park or, or in Landover, Maryland on Sunday. In the words of Bart Scott, Brian, can't wait. I'm happy to welcome in now Rex Ryan, who led the Jets from 2009 through 2014, back-to-back AFC title games uh, in 2009 and 2010. And the Jets haven't been back to the playoffs since he left. So Jets fans look fondly upon Rex Ryan's tenure with the Jets. Rex, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Um, first, I just wanted to get your, your thoughts overall. You, you know, you're currently an ESPN analyst. You, you do the Sunday morning countdown show. You watch a lot of football. What, what are your thoughts on these 2019 Jets at 2-7? and seven? Yeah, you know, uh, Brian, it's, it's, it's funny because I actually watch more NFL games now than I ever did because, you know, I watch every team, you know, not just uh, our team or the team we're playing. Or, uh, so I get a, a pretty good uh, feel for the entire league. But um, obviously one of the biggest disappointments of the year has been the performance of the Jets. I, I think, um, you know, I'm still a Jet fan. I mean, that's, uh, I, I, you know, ever since my days of, you know, when my dad was coaching with the Jets. Um, but we we expected big things. You know, speaking as a Jet fan, I, I think everybody was excited when we, uh, you know, spent the money on Le'Veon Bell and, and um, you know, a lot of players really, um, you know, but, it just because it, it seemed like everything was targeted for this season, and then obviously, outside of a couple of bright spots, it's it's really been an awful year. How much of that do you you put on the head coach Adam Gase? You've been literally you've been in his chair, and you know everybody kind of wants to blame usually the head coach or the quarterback for everything, and, and this year feels like Jets fans are really blaming everything on Adam Gase. Uh, from where you sit, how much blame do you think he, he takes for all this? I, I think as a head coach, you know, that's that's what you're paid to do is take the blame. You know, you're responsible for what goes on that field. Sometimes it's out of your control. You know, sometimes you, you don't exactly have the roster that you personally would have built, but uh, it doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's what you sign up for. And um, so he's going to get criticized. There, there's no doubt. I think it was unfair the whole – I mean, let's face it, from the minute he had that press conference, the fan base went crazy about it, you know, and, you know, his eyes or whatever, you know, was, was crazy. But um, but at the same time, man, this, you know, I, I think Adam realizes now that the New York media and, and uh, is a little different and the fan base a little different than what he, he came from in Miami where uh, where they really don't care. You know, this is one of the most passionate, fan bases in the entire league and I think that's what he's what he's running into um, I just saw where recently you know where uh, Christopher Johnson kind of gave him a vote of confidence uh, if you will and I think that'll help him uh, I really do I, I think some guys uh, need that you know he was uh, you know pressure uh, pressure sometimes brings out the best of people and sometimes it brings out the worst and I think in this case, you almost felt the pressure. And I think this is, uh, has has uh, taken a lot of pressure off of Adam, and I I'm, I'm think he'll actually perform better. It's funny. You mentioned not having the roster you want. In many ways, this season has reminded me of 2014, your last year with the Jets, in that 
you know, I know what I'm watching. And <laughs> there are a lot of bad football players on the field for the Jets, especially when they had the injuries. You guys, in 2014, you had no cornerbacks. Uh, you know, and I remember asking you oh, time and time again, and you wouldn't use that as an excuse. But how difficult is that when you know you're outmanned as a coach? Well, that wasn't easy. I can't tell you that much. But, you know, but this is not the case. This team's got a – they got a, a lot of ability. That, that team that I had, come on, that was that was rough, you know, uh, putting it nicely, um, even for two years in a row, really. But that year, uh, no, we, we never had a Le'Veon Bell. We never had those, you know, that, that kind of group that, that's uh, out there right now, the receivers. You know, look, they paid a lot of money for them. And I love it because it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, is he getting a pass for it because it's not his players? Well, that's the problem right there. That's the problem. As soon as you take a job, every one of those guys are your players. And that's the way it should be. And I think that's, that, that's what, you know, that, that kind of disturbs me a little bit. That, well, they're not you know, this guy's player. Man, that you – they better be your players. And you know what I mean? It's not perfect, but, hell, they, those guys are your players. Whether you want them to be or not, those are your players. And uh, you shouldn't have taken the job if you don't think you can win with this team. Hell, everybody was targeting this year. You know, and, and that's the thing that, you know, uh, if Todd Bowles was still here, would they have the same record? No, I don't think they would. You know, I, I think because uh, Todd embraced those players. And, you know, and I think that's, that, that's kind of just from afar, that's kind of what I see. I mean, how the hell is the, the safety not embraced? You know, for me, I would have killed for that kid. <laughs> Are you kidding? You know, so. Uh, were you surprised Were you surprised when they, they talked about trading Jamal Adams? No, I wasn't surprised at all. Because they don't, you know, I mean, they don't value him the way others would value him, you know, and. Uh, to me, the, that that type of passion and and you know, I I met the kid at a Pro Bowl and I was blown away with him. You know, I mean, I love this kid and and that's what you want in your football team. At least, hell, that's what I want. You know, maybe uh, maybe I'm looking for the wrong thing. I guess I don't know, but that kid's a stud and and uh, hell, I love that guy and and hopefully, you know, maybe they the best thing they ever did was. Uh, would keep them, you know. Maybe uh, they lucked into the fact that uh, that they never got the offer they wanted for him, and and um, you know, because I, I think this guy is a jet. He's more of a jet than than probably everybody else you got on that team. At least what I see to be a New York Jet. The one thing I think the Jets did got, get right, and it kind of was messy the way they got there, was firing McCagnan in May and hiring Joe Douglas. It feels like. The, the organization is aligned really for the first time to me since you and Mike Tannenbaum were together and you guys were such a great unit. Um, you know, for, for those of us who haven't lived that, how, what is that relationship like between head coach and general manager? And just how important is that for an organization for the two guys to be pulling on the rope together? I think it's the only way to do it. You know, uh, I was fortunate, you know, Tannenbaum, look, he had say what you want about we weren't perfect by any stretch but I know one thing we we tried and we were we were in line and uh you know shoot we we made mistakes together and 
we had some successes together, but without a doubt, we were in line. Man, we spent so much time. We spent more time together than we, uh, you know, with each other than we did our wives. So I, I think it's that's the way that relationship should be. I hope it's that way now. I know Joe Douglas well. Uh, Joe was with us in Baltimore for a number of years. I think he'll do a good job. Yeah, Joe was a scout, I guess, when you were defensive coordinator, right? Um, so, what 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 do you remember about Joe from those days in Baltimore? He's got a big head. <laughs> that he does, <laughs> literally. <laughs> he's got a huge head, but no, nah, he's a good guy, and and uh, and you know, hey, I know one thing. He saw what it looked like. You know, so he had a chance to look at what a real defense looks like, and uh, and what what players look like, um, because we had them and we had a whole team playing for each other and the passion and everything else. And that program's as good as there is. Um, you know, Ozzie Newsom is the guy that that ran it. And look, we might have had disagreements, but you could never tell that on Sunday because we were all in it together. Yeah, no, I think it's smart to get some DNA from Baltimore here. You know, it worked. It worked before when they when they brought you from Baltimore. Uh, you know, you do a great job on ESPN. I'm 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 sure you you feel pretty good in that analyst role now. But I know you. You're a coach at heart. Do you do you still want to get back into coaching at some point, Rex? Uh, you know, Brian, I think it it never goes away from me. You know, look, I. It's not just the 30 years I spent coaching and whatever, 20 years coaching in the NFL. Um, it's the fact that my whole life was around it. You know, with my dad coaching, that's all I ever knew. Um, but, I'm, but I'm fortunate. Look, let's face it. Every defensive coordinator in the league would kill for the opportunity that, that I have right now, being on that Sunday countdown show and doing that show on Monday with, uh, with Greeny, the get-up show. So I'm, I'm fortunate that way. I haven't lost a game in three years, and, you know, <laughs> that, that's been a good thing. There, without question, um, you know, I have a son coaching with the Chargers now. He's in his third year, so I get my fix that way, and, and uh, you know, the NFL was awesome to me, and, and I, I go back and I have fond memories of, you know, the Jets were, I mean, I love the Jets because I love the fan base and, and, and everything really involved in it. You not so much, but uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but really, yeah. it great. and it was something that that I felt I felt great about, and and you know, for me to get back in, it's going to be a hell of a job because if not, I'm not thankful. Did you laugh last year? You know, last year the coaching cycle was like find the next Sean McVay, find offense, and even like about a year ago at this time was that Rams Chiefs game where everyone's like, oh, this is the way the NFL is going. And I look around this year, and it's like the 49ers, they play good defense. The Patriots, they play good defense. The Saints, they finally, you know, they're, they're playing good defense. Ravens have always played good defense. Like the best teams in this league are basically doing what you preached 10 years ago. You know, they're, they're running the ball pretty well, and the quarterback's not turning over, and they're playing good defense. Do you think we'll see a shift back, like where defensive coaches start getting some love again? Well, if you want to win. You know, I think that'll, be, that'll probably be it. The best that's ever done it is, is, is a defensive coach. And But I, I think what, where people is lost, and it's just like when they hired Adam Gates. He was supposed to be a quarterback guru and uh, and those things. That, and I get what Christopher Johnson and, and the Johnson family are trying to do. They're, 
They're trying to develop what's the best thing for our young quarterback. And the best thing for your young quarterback is to hire a head coach that actually oversees an entire program. If you want, I get it. If you want a guy that's going to improve fundamentally, those types of things, then hire a great position coach. And I, I think that's what it is. Um, Cause you gotta get, you, you gotta have the guy. I always think this, I, I look at the job uh, Gruden's doing now. Had a little time there uh, with Oakland, but that's a fan base that gravitates to John Gruden. You know, they, they, that's the guy, they love him. that fan base. They love him. And, that's what I think you need. You need to hire somebody that's going to galvanize the fan base um, to the same vision that, that you have as a coach. And I think a lot of times people miss it. They bring in some young guy because he looks good and, uh, you know, he coaches quarterbacks or, or what have you. That's what it looks like, like you're saying, Brian. That's what it looked like the league was doing. And, and that's all fine and sandy. It looks good in the press conference. It looks good on your media guy, that good-looking guy. But can he motivate men? Can he is is he a guy that's gonna uh, relate well with a fan base? And, and some of these guys can, you know. But in New York, man, the, the thing that's tough and the thing that Adam found out is these fans are no joke. They know the game, and you got to go in there and you ain't gonna BS. If you if you try to BS them, they'll they will annihilate you. And and I think that's what you know that's what he's seen a little. But I think with Adam right now, he needs to just you know, understand that this fan base is a real fan base that knows the game, and don't be effing. Shoot it to them straight. Lift your hat up. Let them see your face, and 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 be passionate about what you're saying. And that's what they'll that's what they'll appreciate. And you know, look, nobody's gonna. You guys certainly didn't agree with me on all kinds of things, but that's fine. That's your job. And understand, recognize that's you guys' job to to do it. I looked at it as an opportunity to get a message out to our fan base, and that's why I kind of embraced it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I actually was talking about this Sunday with someone. Like, you spoke the language of the fans so well. And, like, I, I said after that game, after they beat the Giants, I, I wanted Adam to come out and be like, you know, show some passion, show some emotion about it's okay. You, you just won a game. and he kind of went the the Belichick mode of, you know, it's always, it's always great to win a football game. And, and I'm like, Oh, this is just not what fans want to hear. Like you, you were willing to show your emotions at the podium a lot, win or lose. And I think that spoke to the fans, fans, fan base, definitely with the jets. Um, you know, Brian, if we would have beat the jets or if we would have beat the giants that year, that, that Eli hit that 99 yarder on us, I was going to grab an apple and, and bite the apple and say, that's my apple. <laughs> that's what I was gonna do, but you gotta have something like that. Like that's what the fans were like. Yeah, you know we're the we're the kings of New York, and I don't care that you won two games, man. Take that apple and own it. That's my apple, and 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 do something like that, something stupid like that. But you know what? It does. At least it's like he could have got his fans back right there, and said he missed an opportunity. So hell, maybe let's let's see what else he does the rest of the year, and. And, uh, you know, win a lot of games, man. He got better players than most of these teams are playing. It's time to show up and, and win some games. He's got to get some linemen. He's got to get some, get an offensive line. You know, like that. that's how what you guys had, how you guys built it. And he's got to get that going. Before I get you out of here, Rex, uh, just, you know, I, I talk to fans all the time. They talk about 2009, 2010. When you look back on those runs, 
you know, do you have a, a certain memory that stands out, a certain game that, that really jumps out at you uh, from those runs and those four playoff wins? Yeah, I think the biggest game that stands out to me was my first home game ever. Um, that was the one we're playing week two. Uh, I think we're playing the Patriots, you know, and in uh, in Meadowlands, the old stadium. I've never, ever seen a stadium or heard a stadium that loud before. The field was actually shaken. And right then, see, I had a chance. I, I could have gone other places, but I chose to go to New York without a quarterback, probably not very smart when I, when I made that move. You know, we never had a quarterback. We had to draft a rookie. Because after that first mini camp, I I was like, uh oh, we're not going to win a game. And so people can rip Sanchez all they want, but he was better than adequate, I can promise you. And the thing is, it was from that moment during that game in the fourth quarter, I went zero blitz like eight times in a row in that game to close it out. Why? Because the fans told me to. Like it, it was that was a great game and something I'll never forget. Yeah, that was that was a loud, loud day. Uh, we talked about you possibly coaching again. I have to ask this last one before I let you go. If the Jets' job ever opens up, I, you know, Christopher Johnson just gave Adam Gase a vote of confidence, so it's not opening up soon. But if it ever opened up, would you ever be interested in returning to the Jets as head coach? You know, Billy Martin style, coming back to the Yankees. Hey, we'd already be winning if I did. <laughs> so, but of course, you know, like that—that that was my team. And uh, it's still my team, and it'll always be my team. That's how I feel about it. Um, you know, I was I was a pretty decent coach uh, in Baltimore. I was there for ten years. Um, had a great run there. Buffalo, I get fired for being five hundred. I get it, but at the same time, I never felt like that was my team. This was my team. The Jets were my team, and and it'll always be my team. All right, Rex, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, watch Rex every Sunday morning on ESPN. Sunday NFL countdowns, great. And then on Monday mornings, you can't miss his recap on, on Get Up with Mike Greenberg. He does a great job on ESPN. We miss him coaching, but uh, he's doing a great job on TV. Thank you so much, Rex. My pleasure, Brian. Take care. Let's take you into the world of Sam's fantasy this week with our New York Post fantasy football writer, Samantha Praviti. Thanks, Cuz. Here's hoping your fantasy team's weathered by NATO in Week 10. Let's run through half of Sunday's Week 11 slate. Here's who to start and who to sit. Let's start in the basement of the AFC and NFC East. Start Sam Darnold. The good news for Darnold is Washington's pass rush doesn't make anyone see ghosts. He's a streaming option with four teams on by. Sit Darius Geis. While it's great to have him back from IR, Adrian Peterson has played well and will get more of the workload. The Bills will try to stop the Dolphins from winning three straight. Start Devin Singletary. The rookie played 46 snaps in comparison to Frank Gore's 22. That and going up against Miami is all you need to hear. Sit Devontae Parker. The Bills have only allowed four touchdowns to receivers this year. He's also got lights out corner Tredavious White on him. The Cowboys will try to get back on track in Detroit. Start Michael Gallup. If Mitch Trubisky can score three touchdowns off this secondary, anyone can. Sit TJ Hawkinson. The rookie has had a rough stretch since their bye, and it's not getting any better with Jeff Driscoll at the helm. Can the Falcons stun another divisional foe on the road? Start DJ Moore. The Panthers wideout crested the 100-yard mark for the second game in a row last week and has a stellar matchup against a porous Falcons secondary. Sit 
Calvin Ridley. The young receiver's target share has been dwindling, and he only had 28 yards last week. Ew. It's first versus last in the NFC South as the Saints head to Tampa. Start Jameis Winston. Famous Jameis has strung together some nice fantasy production this year and will look to make it his fifth straight game with 300-plus passing yards. Sit O.J. Howard. Howard's been a massive fantasy bust this year and only has one touchdown, which didn't come till last week. And finally, R.I.P. Minshew Mania. Nick Foles is back against the Colts. Start DJ Chark. Foles' return should elevate all members of the Jags offense. Sit Zach Pascal. Even with Hilton and Campbell sidelined, Pascal was a dud against the easiest D in the league. He's a dart throw at best. And that's all for Sam's Fantasy. You can read my Start Sit articles and the rest of fantasy football coverage at nypost.com. Good luck in week 11. That is a wrap for Gangs All Here, our New York Jets football podcast with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for putting together another great show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms for the best Jets content out there. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We'll be back Monday recapping the Jets and Redskins doozy. We will see you all next week.